0: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Really grateful for you listeners out there um, that tune into the podcast. There may be too many to keep track of, but occasionally, um, perhaps you tune in for one that interests you and really appreciate you doing that and sharing the podcast. And our listenership keeps going up and the number of people listening to the podcast keep going up. And that's because of my guests and because of you listeners. So that's just an all of a labor of love between me, you listeners, and our guests to try to create Zion and try to bring more understanding, love, and support as brave people come forward and share their story on the podcast. So if you're on the treadmill right now, for some reason I think of people on the treadmill on a morning gym or a class. So if you're our walk, so or wherever you are, just grateful for your listening. Uh, my guest on today's podcast, um, wonderful woman who's in our home is. Amberly Bean. Welcome to the podcast, Amberly.
1: Thanks. Happy to be.
0: (laughs) Um, Amberly is going to share her story as a gay Latter day Saint. And so when anybody does this, it takes so much courage. Um, This is the first time that she has shared publicly her story. She's been out to um, family and friends for a period of time, but she felt it was time to be public. And this is obviously a good forum. She'll talk about that. But Amberly's in her late 20s. she grew up in Idaho Falls, I believe, went to BYU-Idaho, served a mission in Nashville, Tennessee from 2014 to 2015. Um, she is married to a man, so I call that a mixed orientation marriage, but I, those are terrific marriages, and like all marriages, I root that they succeed and and think you can be living your truth in a mixed orientation marriage. That's kind of another subject, but I don't want anybody to feel like This is not a real marriage because I've learned through kind of a rebuke of the spirit that people in mixed orientation marriages are in beautiful, authentic, beautiful love stories. Um, So she's going to talk kind of about her early life mission. Um, Part of that will be coming to terms with her sexual orientation. She'll talk about after mission, um, leaving the church and then why she came back to the church. Talk about getting married and going back in the closet and then really suddenly feeling prompted, as I mentioned, to come out and then helping with Lift and Love and our connection with Lift and Love, especially the support groups for youth that are doing great things. Is that okay for an introduction, Amber? Yeah, that's perfect. I went a little longer than I usually do, but any that's okay. No, no, I think that's great. So as we prayed, I think our hope is that if you're um, closeted LGBTQ, closeted I'm not even sure is the right word, if you're just not feel it impressed to talk to others about this part of you, that maybe you're at peace with this about you and you're getting personal revelation that God loves you, that the things Amber shares will be helpful for you. If you're a parent or a local leader, perhaps there's some things that will come into your mind to better support LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And I've learned that's best from hearing from LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And let the Spirit work on all of us of what we can do in our circle of influence, to improve the experience for these wonderful Latter-day Saints. So, with that, I'll let you start wherever you want to start, Amberly. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. Thanks. Um, I I love that you bring up uh, being closeted because <laughs> that's how I would probably have described myself for the last while. Um, one of our one of our mutual friends. She's. One of my best friends live um Liv Haynes. She's been on the podcast before, but she uh, jokingly will say often to me. She's like, Amberly, I can't believe that I always forget that you're in the closet because you're the worst person at being in the closet that I've ever met.
0: <laughs> That's kind of funny
1: <laughs> it it is kind of funny. I'm a little bit um, I'm when I'm around, like, when I'm at various conferences down here in Salt Lake or when I'm with uh, my other LDS queer friends. I, uh, <laughs> I I understand where she's coming from. <laughs> um, but I guess I'll just start with uh, growing up. I think I figured out I was gay um, or lesbian uh whatever you want to use. <laughs> uh when I was in middle school um growing up and having crushes on friends, that was like it was I was it was hard and it was weird and I didn't know what was going on. Um and I uh, I experienced some suicidal ideation then um before really coming to terms with with myself um and i i think my biggest problem then was the the messaging that we get in the church is kind of or in the church in the world both is you're either lgbtq or you're a member of the church and being both there's uh it didn't feel like there was a space for that um and i've realized otherwise (laughs) um getting older um but i've always i've always had a testimony uh to a degree and i've always felt always felt heavenly father's love uh and so that was really confusing for me to feel loved but also feel queer um and so in high school when i had like finally admitted to myself like i'm i'm gay and like i don't like any boys uh i had a group of friends and i came out to them and wow So it was, I mean, they were super accepting and loving, and I kind of took a little bit of a step away from the church in high school to a degree. um, I think some people from my high school era might think that's funny because I definitely knew that I was taking a step away, but I was also still serving in church. Uh, I was on the seminary council when I was a senior in high school. Uh, all of these weird things that just didn't seem like they meshed. And so it kind of felt like I was living a double life of my true authentic self, but then also my true authentic self. And, and that was really confusing to me to have two, two parts of myself that I felt were true and authentic, but didn't mix. Um, and so I, during my senior year of high school, I, um, came out to my mom and that was a really good experience. Uh, she's, my parents are the best, uh,
2: <laughs> and
1: I, I credit a lot to that experience, um, of my staying in the church and but frankly still being alive to <laughs> how good that experience was. Um and so my uh my senior year I came out to her towards the beginning of the calendar year, so towards the middle of my senior year and this was uh the previous October had just been the age change for missionaries. Um and so, my mom and I talked, and I had talked about going on a mission, and she encouraged me to read the Book of Mormon and to pray about going on a mission. And I took that challenge a little bit um, a little bit tongue in cheek might be the right word of "I'm going to read the Book of Mormon." and you know, this this gay part of myself, if that's if that's really there, then the Book of Mormon can't be true, and the Church can't be true, and and these these ideas that I had in my head at eighteen, and lo and behold, I figured out the Book of Mormon was true. <laughs> that was a uh, an experience that I was kind of expecting, honestly, but was was still like dealing with these two dualities um so i i went on a mission i still i knew i was gay um heavenly father and i hadn't had a conversation about that yet <laughs> uh just because i didn't i uh i didn't want to disappoint him i and so i went on my mission pretty well in the closet i came out to one companion um that turned into a little bit of a snowball of a disaster on my mission uh it was a controlled snowball uh and i was outed to a couple other missionaries and i came out to my mission president but that was a great experience uh and honestly even being outed was an all right experience as well <laughs> uh it was hard but i i don't know if you can talk about a mission without it being hard <laughs> um interrupt me anytime if you need to
0: <laughs> well i write notes down as you're talking and sometimes i'll just save them all to the end and sometimes i'll interject but maybe mm-hmm. i will ask a question right now um you've had it you report you had a good experience coming out to your mom and a good experience coming out to your mission president. Um, Why? And that may be helpful for parents or local leaders that also want to provide a good experience. If someone comes out, what what did your mission president, your mom do?
1: Sure. Um, So my mom, um, when I came out to her, we were, we were alone. I'm, my dad is a very quiet stoic person He doesn't show a ton of emotion and so growing up I always um I uh I took that as a little bit scared of my dad <laughs> um which I'm not anymore I just know now that he shows love in a different way um but my mom and I were really close so I we were alone um and She was, I have a younger brother who's 14 years younger than me. We were playing with him. who was like one or two at the time. And when I came out to her, uh, there was, I mean, I usually when I'm describing it on a very quick, uh, very quickly, we just, we cried together and it was great. um which I think some people could take wrong of my mom my mom and I cried together and that was a really healing experience for me and a really um we were able to talk she was able to ask questions um and I think what has made it continued to make it such a good experience is that my mom is super open to talking when I need to talk or open to asking questions when she has questions. And so there's like an open line of communication, which makes our relationship stronger. Um, and I mean, and since that experience now, 10 years
2: later, uh, my
1: both of my parents know, both my parents are great. and
0: And that's great. <laughs> It's a really, I like that. I Sometimes um, people, when they come out, tell me they come out and it can actually be okay, but then there's no further conversation. And I think part of what I love about your story is there's ongoing conversation. There was a good first experience, but then your mom's asking questions, you're sharing, and you're kind of walking this road together. Yeah. And I think that destigmatizes, stigmatizes de-shames it, that this isn't something to be shameful about or something we're not going to talk about. And somehow, if we, maybe if we don't talk about it, it'll just be a phase. And <laughs> um, that's our strategy as a parent is just not to talk about it. And it'll be a phase. So I love, I love this experience with your mom. Talk about your mission president. That takes a lot of courage to come out to a mission president. And that went well. Why? Yeah.
1: Um, so when I came out to my mission president, it was actually in an interview after an emergency transfer. And so my um, companion at the time, who I was getting emergency transferred from, uh, had heard a couple mission rumors that I wasn't super aware of until then. Um, And this was two weeks into our companionship, and she emailed the mission president and said, hey, I think, uh, so I was Sister Bishop at the time, and (laughs) she emailed the mission president and said, hey, I think Sister Bishop is gay and likes me and so my mission president um brought that up in our interview and was like what is this about and i was like and to me i i didn't have any attraction to this companion i honestly was trying really hard to love this companion um because i it was one of those hard companions you no know, as you as you have on a mission um and so i was totally blindsided by that and uh he was super loving and he didn't like come down with a hammer immediately after that i feel like I feel like a mission president getting that email would be tricky <laughs> and so he didn't come down with like a hammer he didn't say like all right sister bishop you're headed home pack your bags he like let me talk to him about it he was open and loving and um I mean like I said I hadn't like I hadn't really figured out how to mesh my sexuality with my love of the church and love of the gospel yet so I wasn't in a place where I um, felt the need we were Facebook missionaries at the time we were like one of the uh, one of the beta testers and so I didn't feel a need to come out or do anything like that I was very comfortable like if I was going to be in the church I was going to be in the closet and so it was just a really comfortable experience and really open
0: Thank you for sharing some of that. And um, one of the things I invite us all to do is is confidentiality. So if somebody's told you something in confidence, unless required by law to report that, I think you've got to be pretty careful about talking about something somebody's told you in confidence. It sounds like there's some confidence is broken. So when people are vulnerable and open up, that gives you power in the relationship potentially to share that information with somebody else in it kind of shows you're in the know or you're connected or you have but I would caution us all to think of what the responsibility is with that very trusted information. And I think the first thing is maintain confidentiality. And um and so some of that wasn't maintained in your situation. I do like I wrote down one of the things you said about the mission president he says he let me talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes um we don't that's just a simple thing, but sometimes we want to talk a lot as leaders or even men like me and and use that as a situation to talk about everything, LGBTQ. But I love the way he just let you talk about it and created a safe place for you that you could talk. And I think that's really important. And I'm gonna let you get on with your story, but I'm gonna come back to this. I just one of the things that Amberly said maybe we'll talk about it now i wrote down earlier heavenly father and i didn't have a conversation about it i didn't want to disappoint him so i think this is part of the conditioning that that occurs with a lot of queer latter day saints is that i shouldn't talk to god about this um and he would be disap- and he's disappointed in me for ha- being lgbtq or queer and i i don't think you know, that is how queer Latter-day Saints would deal without the conditioning that occurs in their youth, etc. And I, and I think if we had better messaging around queer Latter-day Saints and God's love for them, and they're not a mistake, and who they are is really quite awesome and needed, that people wouldn't, that's Carl's internalized homophobia or transphobia for our trans friends, and so I recognize that you're in this really difficult spot where you're in the, all these paradoxes that I don't, that's one of the things about your story that's so good to Amber, these other people that are, they're living in these paradoxes, perhaps can, I can be, I can do all these things huh. and it's a good thing. So you could add to that, build yeah. on that.
1: No, I, I love that. I, um, I'll skip around a little bit. Um, good. this but, is the
0: nature of a podcast. Yes.
1: Awesome. <laughs> Um, but I wrote that down. I wanted to come back to that as well, because i um, I mean, Heavenly Father and I have since had many conversations about my queerness. Um, and I truly didn't come out to him until I had um this is after a mission, really about six years ago, shortly before shortly before i met my husband um i finally came out to heavenly father and it was a i mean it's not like he didn't know uh already and it's not like he didn't love me already and i think one of the things that i've seen um i work with a lot of the youth conferences and uh one of the things that i think has just been uh, shown to me so much is that the sooner that we can get uh youth and kids who who are queer as as soon the sooner we can get them to come out to their heavenly father to their heavenly parents um who then will i have no doubt in my mind will confirm to them that they're not a mistake just like you were saying and that they really do love their children um that the better the outcomes will be i think we'll have i think of my um various bouts with suicidality and uh my bouts of self-hatred honestly and uh and i don't think that i would have had that 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 badly, um, if uh, like you were saying, if the messaging was different, and if I had felt comfortable talking to Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother sooner than i than I had,
0: um, yeah. I love that, and I love your teaching the youth that and that some of you that are walking this road bravely and authentically are then able to help others but I love the idea of coming out. I think you've got to come out to yourself like Amberly did. And I think you've got to come out to your heavenly father, your heavenly parents. And this is just my personal feeling because I get every now and then I get a phone call from somebody and they'll just say, you realize there's a whole group of people that are never going to be in your podcast. And I go, Ooh, and he goes, all of us that feel impressed not to come out. (laughs) And I've thought a lot about that. And I think there are probably a lot of listeners and a lot of people that just feel impressed, not to come out. And I, and I want you to feel that that road is an authentic road too. You can be authentic to yourself um, and be living your truth. That's a phrase that we hear in society and not come out. But I think you've got to do the things Amber's, Amber Amberly suggesting is come out to yourself, be at peace with yourself and come out to your heavenly parents. I've always, I don't like to have used the word always and be black and white language, but I, my real strong feeling is you should come out to your heavenly parents that's going to help i
1: i totally agree and i um i've been involved with a lot of the lds lgbtq organizations and so meeting people that are not out never have plans to come out um i think is a totally valid i i know that you just said this but i think it's totally valid and be totally authentic and some of the like some of the most wonderful people I know are only out to like only out for one weekend a year when they go to a conference here in Salt Lake or or something like that and I I mean I didn't ever plan on coming out this was not my plan and so I'm the following that up with i felt i felt very prompted the last year or two to come out and i think that that prompting doesn't come for a lot of people and i think that's super valid
0: um i love that and i love just the principle of personal revelation that everybody's can get their own personal revelation about their path and it's good to hear other stories that you have to author your own story write your own story i do think a principle to consider if you want to come out is shame Shame is one of Satan's greatest tools to separate us from the love of God and make us feel like we're broken. And for a lot of people, coming out is not not only to help others like you're doing, Amberly, but it's to sort of take the shame out of their life so they can live authentically. And some people are able to maybe, I haven't interviewed anybody like this, but take shame away without coming out and are at peace with who they are and and they're not on the shame road or on the broken road and still not out. So that's a little bit of a tangent. I want to get back to Amberly's story. So you're on your mission, okay? Or you're coming home from your mission?
1: <clears throat> yeah. So so I came home from my mission, um, and uh, when I came home from my mission, I was pretty exhausted with the church. Um, not. I was exhausted from a lot of my experiences with the church on my mission and I went up to BYU, Idaho. Um, and that further exhausted me, uh, I think mentally and emotionally. And I still had my testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I, um, was just tired I think is a good way to put it um and so being at BYU Idaho I still went to church on Sundays to keep my ecclesiastical endorsements but I was pretty much fully checked out within like a couple months of coming home I came home in July and I would say that I was dating women up at BYU Idaho uh by before the year ended (laughs) Um and not to say that that means that you're fully out of the church if you're dating women, but uh, that's I was still in that very like black and white mindset of I'm either doing this or doing this. Um, and I had great friends at BYU Idaho. I honestly I dated some great people at BYU Idaho, uh, and. Um, so that went on. I was pretty comfortable where I was at for, uh, about a year and a half ish. Um, and then I dated a, dated an awesome girl who was, we kind of like accidentally started dating. Um, and so she encouraged me to go back to church. She encouraged, she encouraged a lot of things. Um, and finally i think we were both we we weren't a great match <laughs> and so not being a great match we left each other on not great terms but that was a a huge trajectory for me to figure out what i wanted to do with my sexuality and figure out what i wanted to do with the church going forward um And so I figured to figure that out. I probably needed to go to the temple, but I couldn't. (laughs) And so I um, transferred my records down to Idaho Falls where I felt more comfortable. (laughs) Uh, I was working down there anyways. So my parents lived down there. I was working down there. It's only a half an hour drive. Um, So I transferred my records there and um, came out to, I was in a YSA branch. So I came out to my branch president, the stake president of that branch uh, was the stake president that sent me on my mission. So I had already come out to him, uh, which was helpful. (laughs) Uh, And we got working on getting me a temple recommend back. Uh, to see where where that would go, and um, I didn't have to go through a whole church disciplinary council. I was, uh, I still had church discipline. They they called it a lot of different things back then. Yeah,
0: probably uh, informal <laughs> probation or formal probation. There's yes. all these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's different now, but back then, yeah,
1: yeah. So this was back in um, 2016 when that was all happening so before before all the names changed uh but i um i had a couple months of of that of like
2: uh of being disfellowshipped of
1: of that (laughs) and um in interspersed in that i was meeting with our branch president like uh, i was meeting with him every sunday and he asked me if i had ever talked to heavenly father about this and i was like no this is i mean exactly what i said earlier this is not something that i like i
2: i uh I felt like even though I had such a good experience with my parents and my family,
1: um, I, I still felt like I was disappointing them. And so then disappointing my heavenly parents was a whole nother thing that I didn't want to do. And so, uh, one of the cool things about finally coming out to Heavenly Father was that the lack of disappointment I felt, I think, finally backed up the lack the lack of disappointment that I was feeling from my earthly parents. And it finally it, I mean, it finally made me believe after three or four years of being out to my my mom, at least, um, and my dad, I came out to him a little bit after. But um, so years after having, I mean, we still had these open conversations we had, we were open, but I still uh, made up their disappointment in my head
2: um and
1: coming out to heavenly father made a lot of things click um that lack of disappointment but then also the the realization that i didn't need to be that shame wasn't something that you need to have <laughs> and uh like, I mean, in the scriptures, we read about not being ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Um but then also, I think it's really important to not be ashamed of who your heavenly Father has made you to be. Um, and I really feel like, I feel like it's almost a slap in the face to be ashamed of being gay. um, because I feel like it's a huge gift that Heavenly Father has given me and given to other people, and I—I I don't know—coming to that realization, I—I I realized that there's not actually a huge, a huge either-or. I—I um, I love the Church, and I also love that I'm gay. Um and sometimes the communities don't like sometimes sometimes still the communities of the church and the communities of the LGBTQ people, <laughs> uh folk, uh, don't seem like they're gonna mesh. And either the church wants you to pick something black or white, or like church members want you to pick something black or white, or my LGBTQ friends that aren't in the church want me to pick something that's black or white, um, and that's also been an interesting thing to
2: for me with um, with family. I have a,
1: like pioneer stock family that I love and respect their opinions so much but i also have family who is who has left the church and who are living awesome lives with partners that are amazing and that i love and that have been welcomed into the family and i i have hesitated in coming out because i don't want them to think that I don't love them and love their choices and love the family that they've brought in, um, but I also, I also want my like super orthodox family to, like, know that I love them too, and so I think releasing some black and white views has been. One of the hardest things that I've that I've done in coming out. <laughs>
2: um. So I let's see. I
1: went through that church discipline, and I uh, came to the decision that I was going to. Um. I mean, I was going to be gay. I had never been attracted to a man. Uh, And I didn't think that that was going to (laughs) change. And so I just made the resolve that I was going to keep my temple recommend, keep my my church membership as best I could, and just live my life celibately in the church. and then, Heavenly Father laughed at me. <laughs> uh, so about, let's see, this was like,
2: two or three months
1: later, um after I had made that decision, i um ran into my husband's mom, <laughs> and uh, my husband and I went to high school together. And so, I knew his mom because she was a teacher at the school, and we chatted. Uh, we chatted for a little bit, and I found out that Kendall was coming up to. Uh, he was in Salt Lake. I was in Idaho Falls, Rexburg, um, and he was coming up for spring break. And I was like, "Oh, that would be awesome to hang out with. Like, that would be awesome to hang out. Like, give him my number. Let's let's meet up." And uh, so I texted my. I texted Kendall, my now husband, <laughs> and oh, he texted me and asked if we could hang out. I said, that'd be great. Uh, that would be great. Let's hang out. And he texted back and said, I, I don't want to hang out. It has to be a date. And I laughed um, because I, I mean, I... I was fine dating, but that wasn't something I was like, Oh, I don't want to disappoint you. Uh, but we, we went on that date and that was the, the date that ended all other dates. (laughs) Um, We talked and clicked and it was such a, I don't know. I had such an interesting spiritual experience on that date and i was a little bit scared because i didn't want to be one of those people that was like oh heavenly father told me that we're getting married <laughs> because i was already scared of those people <laughs> um but that's like how i felt on that on that first date and um he was up for the week and he when we were Saying goodbye. He's like, when can I when can I see you again? I'm up the whole week. And so I think we saw each other three or four times just that week that he was up for spring break. And uh I felt super dishonest that whole week. Uh because I it was really weird that I liked a boy and but I didn't want him to,
2: um, feel weird
1: about dating a lesbian. <laughs> so Kendall went down uh, back to the U, uh, and he. I mean, this is a very fast, stereotypical like LDS love story, <laughs> but. Uh, he went down to the U and he was like, I, I'm not dating anybody else here. Are you dating anyone else up at BYU-Idaho? And I was like, no, that is not something that you have to worry about. Um, little did he know. But uh, so we were like, quote unquote, going steady, I guess. Um, and then about two or three weeks later, uh, about think it might have been less than that we had a phone call where i like i need to be honest with you i have dated women i i didn't use the term lesbian then i was a little bit afraid of the word (laughs) uh but it was the funniest experience coming out to kendall he is a very um he's really dry um very Just even kilter. (laughs) And he, so I came out to him. I'm like crying on the phone in my car. (laughs) And I was like, I have to tell you something. I'm gay. I've dated women. If you don't want to date me anymore, if you don't want this to continue, I totally understand. He's like, oh, I thought this was going to be something more serious than that.
0: (laughs) Way to go, Kendall.
2: (laughs) Respect, man. Um, and i mean
1: i I couldn't have asked for a better response, <laughs> but so we dated and and got married that fall, which is crazy uh to think about um and it's been it's been interesting um that first year of marriage was really interesting because our conversation didn't necessarily end at the, like, I thought this would be more serious than that, but I didn't want to scare him away. <laughs> and I also uh, didn't really think it was something that I necessarily needed to go into a ton of detail about uh, before before we were married, other than tell him like, yeah, this is, this is part of me. And so in that first year of marriage, we had a lot of learning about each other to do. Um, And he was so good about it. I mean, he had, I feel like when you go into a marriage, you both have flaws and you both have things you need to learn about each other. Um, But Kendall was just so good at listening and learning we also went to marriage counseling which i like 10 out of 10 recommend (laughs) um but he was and still is such a great listener when i have things to say and i hopefully i feel like i'm a good listener when he has things to say too (laughs) but i also can talk a lot so um But I, I kind of thought that that was the end of this story, uh, that I was, that I came out to my husband and that we would have 10 kids and live our LDS life. (laughs) And that would be the end. Uh, but that did not happen. Uh, so we moved down here to utah like a block away from where we're recording right now (laughs) and um i kept having this like just because i got married to a man didn't mean i wasn't gay anymore um and so this like little tugging feeling of Not that I was attracted to a ton of women around me, but that I just wasn't feeling like I was being as authentic as I had once been. Um, And so I ran into, um, I was working, I was working at Sam's Club at the time. And uh, so Bridget Pack, I don't remember what her new last name is. Adams. Adams. Yes. So Bridget sent me an email. I was the marketing person at Sam's Club in charge of doing donations. And she sent me an email uh, just, I mean, not me specifically, but Sam's Club, an email um, about getting a donation for the North Star Conference that was coming up. And I was like, wait, there are other LDS queer people like, <laughs> and and not that I didn't know that but I just being here in Salt Lake there's more of a density of them and of us um and so I emailed her back reached out and she was like you have to come meet these people <laughs> like come be our friend and that is what started my uh think ministry is probably an okay word to use uh with the with lgbtq youth and that's been one of my passions for about four and a half years now probably five years now at this point um has been ministering to them because they're the best i mean i think lots of parents listen to this podcast and just a shout out to you guys. You have the best kids ever. <laughs> um,
2: and I just, I, I wanted kids to be able to, I wanted these youth to be able to
1: feel good about themselves and also feel good about how their heavenly parents felt about them
2: and i i don't know it's become something huge
1: for me and something huge that i there's lots of good people in this space that are doing so many Amazing things that I wish I had had when I was a youth. And so I
2: wanted to be a part of that.
0: (laughs) Um, Talk more about Lift and Love Youth.
1: For sure. Um, So Lift and Love uh, on Instagram
2: uh, is awesome.
1: Um, There has been a there's been a Zoom call for the youth. Uh, it's a once a month Zoom call for a while. Um, but I've been talking to, so my my good friend Liv uh, uh, reached out to me and said, Amberly, you need to um, help make Lift and Love youth bigger and better. <laughs> and so we had lunch with Allison. Um and that was, I mean, it started from there and we've been working on, uh, doing a couple of other things. Uh, I, I mean, so right now there's still just the zoom calls that are going on. Um, but we have some, some bigger plans in the works that I, Don't want to talk too much about yet, Um, but if you're a parent or if you're a youth that has something that you want to see, um, I mean, messaging Lift and Love is a great place to message or messaging Allison, Um, but also Allison has a lot on her plate. So if you want to message me, I would love uh, any insights that you have in what, what you as a youth need or what you as a parent see that you want your youth to have more of. (laughs) Um,
2: I I think that there,
1: I haven't met a youth i I have the awesome opportunity to talk to a lot of youth. Um, I want to say one on one, but it's more in like a conferency setting, so it's not like one on one like we're alone. It's very like church standard one on one Um, but I get to talk to a lot of youth who are
2: amazing. Um, i have never talked to a,
1: honestly, I feel like being LGBTQ isn't even a qualifier. I haven't talked to a youth um, in some sort of LDS organization that I haven't loved and have so much respect for. And these youth are so needed right now
2: and so awesome and I
1: I feel like we as adults have this um, responsibility to show them how awesome they are and to make them see that um, because they are They're going to change the world and they're going to
2: change the,
1: the communities in the church and the culture in the church for so much better. And I, I don't know, this, this last conference, Elder Christofferson's talk, um, the doctrine of belonging, it. It makes me think of that—that that the doctrine of belonging is something that, like, we're working on as adults right now, but these youth, like, already have it just ingrained in them to be loving and share that
2: belonging.
0: It's a really good podcast, Amberly, and um, every story is so different, listeners. Everybody that walks in my home or joins me on a Zoom call. I'm just struck about how when I first stepped in this space, I knew a couple stories. So I thought I knew everybody's story, and <laughs> everybody's story is so different and so unique. And I think it's just helpful for you that are queer youth to write your own story. Listen to these other stories, but write your own story. Um, I wrote down a lot of notes as you were talking, and I'll just maybe hit a couple of them, and then you can give any final thoughts. I love our youth, and I think there's a real need for. LGBTQ support groups for younger Latter-day Saints. So I love what Lift and Love is doing. We'll link to Lift and Love in the show notes so that you can connect with Lift and Love. I think that's a real need in our faith community. Is i um, support groups. So I'm glad that you and Liv and Allison and Megan, I think is involved yeah. in that, are all helping and many others. And I'm really deeply supportive of Lift and Love. Um, Allison Dayton and and our family. We have kids that married each other. Our son Jake married their son, Dev. So we have a connection with that wonderful family and that organization. You said something I wrote down, being queer is a huge gift. And it's given to me and other people. And I love that. There's no shame in that. And it's like the parable of the talents. Maybe society want to bury this talent and be ashamed of it. But I think it's, you know, as I've just met with queer people, I think it's a huge gift. And your ability then to reach and minister and help other people. I love you coming out in the dating process to your now husband, Kendall. And when I wrote my first book, I really encouraged that. And I recognize a lot of people were not taught to do that or didn't feel that was the right thing to do that are kind of more my age. And um, I recognize that's kind of where we were. Um, But I love that the youth are generally coming out. And I love Kendall's response to that. And (laughs) yeah, he needed to, as I write in the book, I think. Everybody in the dating process needs to be authentic, whether it's whatever. And then each of you, it can often just bring the relationship closer together because you're vulnerable, you're honest, you need each other and everybody then get personal revelation about the future of the relationship in the dating process. And that is, and there'll be some stories of somebody who felt impressed to step out of the relationship because somebody came out as queer. So yeah. every story is gonna be a little different, but I love that you opened up to Kendall and I love his response. And it's a beautiful, authentic love story. Um, so I also like that you were honest, being exhausted after your mission and that that's part of the reason you stepped away from the church for a period <laughs> of time. And I think we just need to give grace to people. Some people step away because of doctrine or because of, there's a lot of reasons people take a break and it sounds like you took a break and we just sort of were kind to you as you were taking a break and you needed to kind of recharge your tanks the way you best could do them. and. Yeah, I would never invite anybody to same-sex date, but sometimes that's, I, I'm kind of spoke, deep speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, but sometimes if people feel that's their path, it gives them a feeling for that world, is, and so they can just make a more informed decision. Now, I hope that's okay, because I always invite people to follow church teachings, but I don't know if that helped in your case to just, you got some experience in that space, and... Maybe it was helpful for you now to know you had a little experience in that space, you kind of know that world a little bit. And so you're not always wondering about that world now that you're married to a man. I don't know, but I think you could comment on that right now. Uh,
1: yeah, for sure. I um so being involved with uh being involved with a lot of women's groups. Um I I talk to a lot of women um who either they're they were married and didn't figure out their sexuality until after they were married, or um, they maybe didn't talk to their spouse, or, I mean, and I also know lots of people that are like me who talked to their spouse um, before they were married. But um, I think uh, think there can be, I don't know if FOMO is the right word. (laughs) Um, but there can be some like, like, oh, what did I miss out on?
2: And, um, I think
1: there's, I mean, I, I echo you and I don't encourage same-sex dating, but also I would not be, I, I don't feel like I would be as happily married as i am now had i not experienced that um and i think that it those um i i think i think straight people can say this too is that the people that i dated before i dated my spouse now um helped to shape me make me a better person make me um Decide on things that I didn't want in my life, and also it shaped my view and testimony of the gospel in that, um, I can v- pretty firmly say, like, where I stand now, and where where I want to go. And I don't think you have to date to figure that out. Um but for me that was a big part of my story.
0: So I think that's terrific and um it's a big part of your story, and I love you own your whole story and um one of the things that's a consistent theme in all these podcasts generally is that you use the word disappoint. And not that's not consistent with this idea that who I am is a disappointment to Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Parents, my earthly parents, to me. And I just invite us all to create a feeling in younger queer Latter-day Saints that this part about them shouldn't be seen as a disappointment. And I can see why people feel that way. I, I think when we often talk about gay people, we don't ter- talk directly to them. As needed members of the body of Christ, we talk about them kind of in a third party, mm-hmm. um, this outside group of people that we're sometimes trying to make peace with. Sometimes we're trying to find legal peace, but a lot of the conversation our church is is talking about queer people as if they're an outside group of people, sometimes in a negative way. And uh, you know, I yearn for just more content from all levels of the church, just talking directly to queer Latter-day Saints um, as needed members of the body of Christ, and that they're a huge gift. Um, just the language you have, we need you as part of the doctrine of belonging.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I, that doesn't change our doctrine to do that, but I think nine out of ten messages that younger queer people should hear from church and society is positive things about people like them. I think that helps them get on the same moral footing as straight people, feel like they're not a disappointment. No one should feel, you've da- taught us this, Amberly. no one should feel that something they can't control is a disappointment to themselves or God, just like I have blue eyes. I grew up in a world where blue eyes, you never heard anything negative about people <laughs> with blue eyes. So I never thought this could be a disappointment to God. or Yeah. So, um I also think we need to be careful when we give talks about we're under attack and these are the last days. And I think we need to be specific as who is attacking and what is the threat. I think it's intellectually maybe not as good as we can do, because I think a lot of people will just then think, oh, that's referring to gay people. And they're we're under attack from LGBTQ people and their existence is signed the last days. Now I don't want to say everybody would think that, but I think we can talk about the last days and be specific about who the threat is, who is the group that's posing the threat, and what is the actual threat. Otherwise, I think for a lot of us, it just creates fear that I don't think is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. sort of this fear that connects us together, but then connects us in a way that I don't think Jesus wants us to find connection in just having fear about other stuff. So that's all I have to say but I'll just turn it back to you for a closing segment either more stuff you want to say or anything you want to talk about that I said.
1: Oh, I I love all of that. I think the only thing that I had a comment on um was just that fear and I think I think realizing that there's not a if I mean, I believe and you believe that we're all children of children of our heavenly parents. And so I think
2: that recognizing that and
1: knowing that will help us realize better that there's really the only thing that we need to be cautious of or fearful of is just how the adversary is getting invited into our lives and I don't think that that's by queer people I think that's or necessarily by really I I think just recognizing that that is through feeling like we're disappointing people or feeling like we have to be fitting into this black and white box um, in church culture or um, or that we have to be living up to uh, standards that maybe other people or we're setting for ourselves that aren't necessarily the same standards that Heavenly Father is setting for us. And I think recognizing that helps to open up the, helps to open up discussions and helps to open up the realization that we're not fighting against each other in our
0: uh, journey back to living with our heavenly parents in Jesus Christ. Right. Um, how do people find you on social media? We'll link to, are you, tell our yeah, listeners um, where we will link to in the show notes.
1: Yeah. I'm on Instagram, uh, at the Amberly JB. Um, that's public. So you can send me a message there if you want to chat. <laughs> uh, I'm also on Facebook. That's a little less public though. Okay. But if you want to see pictures of my cute two-year-old,
0: that's Your where you find two-year-old. him. <laughs> so- at a minimum, we'll link in the show notes to your Instagram so that you can find Amber Lee on social media and message here, especially if you want to connect with Lift and Love, the youth groups, so your parent, Lots of parents reach out to me and say, you know, my kid needs a support group. And that at our church right now, there's nothing formalized in the church that support groups for um, parents or LGBTQ people. So I'm grateful for all these organizations to step forward. And I've created youth groups that's really needed. So and I'm grateful that you're a part of these. And I continue to believe these will grow. Um, anyway, um, Amber Lee, you're terrific. and Thanks. You are young and brave and courageous and authentic. And And you and your good husband have a wonderful life together. And the kids, you've got one son. And I don't know if you have more, but it's just a beautiful family love story. But you're very courageous. You're very brave. And everything you've done just is about love. Your desire to serve a mission, your desire to be authentic, your desire to come out. This isn't about rebellion, is my feeling. This is about just being honest and vulnerable and love. And then it allows you, as you're doing on your mission and now, um, to help other people. And you're young. <laughs> and I think you're laying the framework and the foundation to do a lot of this. Um, Bringing hope and healing to other people because you're doing it at a young age. And part of that's just you being honest and vulnerable and authentic. So, this is Amberly Bean and Richard Osler signing off of another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.